Sophie Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast. Where once again I'm joined by Terry McAllister and Owen Parks. We've got a lot to get through. Of course, we've got to start off by unfortunately reliving the defeat to Manchester United on Saturday morning. And then, of course, moving on from that, we've got a little piece on a player who was once again left out of the squad on Saturday, and that's Anthony Gordon. We're going to like have a little look into maybe why he isn't getting played, what he put for into the team, maybe why he isn't, like, why, what he maybe lacks, I don't know. But we're going to look into Anthony Gordon later on as well, and then we are going to finish with a classic quiz where Terry and Owen will go head-to-head. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it, and we'll look back on the third defeat in a row, unfortunately, against Manchester United. Welcome to the Extra Time segment where we're looking back on our defeat to Manchester United. Three defeats in a row it is now. And, you know, it's been not since the opening day of the season have we kept a clean sheet in the league, which is quite concerning as well. So it's really disappointing at the moment. It's been a disappointing period post the last international break anyway. And now we go into another international break with three defeats on the bounce, which is horrific. And I'm joined by Owen and Terry for this. And it's just, it just it's so disappointing. I think even more so because of how well we started the season. Wasn't it? will start with you, Terry. Like it's just it makes it so much worse that we started so well and it's fell away so quickly. It's more frustrating. I think if we'd have had the same results um, before this international break, but they were more spread out, wouldn't feel as bad. We're still in a good position in the league. It's just we're not in as good a position as being top of the league. So. You know, anywhere after that was down. I, I do get what people like. Uh, you know, people I think are overreacting a little bit. I, I don't think we've learned anything that we didn't already know going into these three games. That yeah, we've got a decent start in eleven, but even one player comes out of that and we we struggle massively with the drop off. Um, all the players who've come in in the last three games to replace you know various players. You know. Like, uh, Richarlison being the obvious one, the, the players who've replaced him, the players who come in at right back, some you know centre defence, they've all not been good enough. They've they've not you know it made the impression that they should have. But even even the players who are in that ideal starting eleven, they, their levels have dropped because they've they've been missing the players who were who aren't there. And I just don't think enough of the players have got the work rate, the graft to sort of. I don't know, compensate for the lack of quality when the players got the team. So, yeah, I, it, I'm, not, I'm not losing my head over it. I think um, Man United have got some quality attacking players and they made the most of them. They did their own work on Everton. You know, our, and our defence has been poor since the start of the season, I think, but we've been getting away with it because we've been scoring goals and creating a lot of goals. And when two of your front three are missing for games 
And I don't think in the games that Hammers has played that he's been entirely fit. The goals can't save the poor defence and the poor defence has been exposed, especially um, against Man United, a good attacking team. Yeah, I think for me, the, it's shocked me that we've defended so poorly since the start of this season. Why do you think that is, Owen? You're, you're very big on your uh, low-block football. Is there any... Uh, could you maybe shed some light on why you were struggling at the back? If it... It's just, I think what Terry said before we started recording. It's the little, it's the little things, the basic like stopping crosses. It's we do this thing. I I thought it was just exclusive to last last season, but I know we bought Alan and Decore in in the summer, but neither of them are sitting midfielders. Really, they like to go and get engaged the game. They like to win the ball back. Gomez or Sigurdsson are complete non-entity of footballers defensively anyway. So if you've got Decore and Alan who are trying to sort of win the ball back higher up, there's this space between Michael Keane and Mason Olgate and Yeri Mina and the midfield where there's just a big massive space for the opposition to run in. Man United did it three or four times Saturday to which they got the ball out wide from running in that space and put crosses in. They score from both of them, I think. It sometimes works like that when when we've got no one to sort of, sort of mop up from... If we're going to have Allen and Decore and pressing and sort of getting the ball moving, we need a midfielder that stays in our half and has no intention of doing that. Some I know people don't like to wear it, but someone of the mould of Schneiderlin, not Schneiderlin, but I was someone waiting for the Schneiderlin to be mentioned there. But not even Schneiderlin, some um, someone like that, but much better and doesn't play like we're, we're, we're paying, we're not paying them to be there. Someone who's actually interested in actually playing for Everton, but who can sit in front of that back four and not not just also the defensive side, but start attacks. And I think that people are talking about this mythical attack in midfield that we're missing. It's absolute nonsense. We need to start keeping clean sheets because we scored on Saturday. We scored the first goal, and for me, once you scored the first goal in the game, you have to be at least getting the points. Crystal Palace haven't dropped. I've dropped about two points in about forty games. They can score the first game because they know once they score the first goal that they know how to see it out and get wins and draws. And it's a it's a it, it's a way of playing that's successful. We we're we're we've got better from coming from behind in the last year or so, but we really do need to be starting to see games out like that when we take the lead. It was just basic things that the whole midfield just pushed 10 yards too far forward and the defence was too deep. So there was this big vacuum in the middle of the pitch for Bruno to operate in and that's what won them the game. Yeah, I think even on a bad day, you can't give Bruno Fernandes that kind of space and he plays right into their hands in that respect, I think. Not just that, Rashford, Martial... All of them were just operating in the same space, and it was Alan. Alan didn't really stick to the task of being a whole midfielder. Gilfie Sigurdsson was half asleep, and Decore was trying to press in the opposition's half. So there's just loads of space everywhere. Add to that, Hammers is more of a wide forward who likes to affect the game in the final third, rather than someone who will be sort of restricted to a shape. Bernard worked hard, to be fair. No, I put a controversial tweet out about Bernard before the game and he scored. It kind of worked the way I hoped it would, but he did work hard. But then we don't stop crosses. There's a big gap between Holgate and Keane every time a ball came in the box. 
the keeper is just a troll. So, I mean, there's a whole host of factors of why we aren't brilliant at the back, but that kind of, like, sticking stick to a, a, a shape, even if it's for 20 minutes once we've scored, just to take the sting out of the game, I think it's really important. But we, we'll see how we get on against Fulham. But I, I, the defence is where I'm worrying at the moment more than scoring goals, because I think there's goals in the team, Calvert-Lewin, James, Richarlison when he's back. I still think Decore, I know he missed a couple of Gil's Edge ones and at the weekend, but he's still someone who gets in the position, so I'm no doubt he'll score. We, we Dean and Coleman, you still would imagine they could pop up with goals. We've seen our centre-halves do it. For me, it's more to do with getting back to, to a way of playing defensively that helps us sort of see out games, and that's really important. If we're going to be a team that's going to finish in the top seven rather than a team that will finish from ninth to twelve. Yeah, I think for me the concern is I think we've definitely got a top seven first eleven. I think we could, we're right up there in terms of the crossing our first eleven. But I would be this is maybe a bit outlandish, but I go as far as to say Fulham's second eleven is probably better than our second eleven. I don't know about that because have you seen some of the car horses that play for Fulham? <laughs> you know, you don't. They'll probably beat us now. Well, you say what they like, the rubbish. But, um, yeah, but honestly, I think it's just my. I think the point I'm making more than anything else is not that Fulham's second eleven are probably better than ours, but more if they were asked to do a job, they come in and do it. Whereas our well, second eleven we'll just put, can't be bothered. We'll put it this way: Fulham's starting wingers Adam Ola Luckman. Well, I would rather all our wingers over Adam Ola Luckman. Really. <laughs> Even, I'd rather, even, you know, even, I would rather my grandmother over Adam Ola Luckman. <laughs> that is Jesus a statement and a Did you see that penalty, by the way? Well, yes, it is. I wouldn't pay him this week, honestly. Ridiculous. Penalties in the last minute should be low in ours, but anyway. <laughs> no, it's oh, you're, you're, like, you're, you're like the Roy Keane and the Sophie Blues, aren't you? <laughs> 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 the, 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 really the, the no nonsense uh, takes. The... <laughs> <laughs> what was it he was saying? I wouldn't let them on the team bus uh, after the game. <laughs> <laughs> the hanging uh, fire. Adam was Adam 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 Adam. Adam. If I was full of manga, Adam would still be around the London Stadium. <laughs> wow. <sighs> wow, honestly. No, it's, one, it's just one of them. It's very frust- It's very frustrating to see. Like, I think there's a, there are teams like Aston Villa and Southampton who have just got a better squad than we've got. Maybe not on paper, yeah, but... Say that though, but if Grealish doesn't play for Aston Villa, it's Conor Horahan. And he's probably not even championship level, is he? So we we bemoan our squad level, but it's it's more to do with in key areas rather than the whole team, I would say, but... I don't even think it's a it's a quality issue of the second you know the the sort of second string players. They don't work hard when they come in. We've had three games where where um, Richarlison just use him as the example because he's been out for all three. And Iwobi's come in. He's looked shocking. We've had Andre Gomez there. He looked shocking. You know, Sigurdsson's been out wide as well. He looked shocking. And Bernard, he looked all right in the. Um, in the Man United game when he started, but it's you can't forget the substitute appearances he made in that time were, were awful. So none of them 
I've like grasped a chance and like I think I think that earlier in the season we were on this good run. The first eleven was really strong. It really, you know, it really works well together. Barring a few odd positions where, you know, goalkeeper, you know, I don't don't really read Pickford's and I think um, when old fit Mina doesn't start over Holgate, although Holgate was terrible against Man United. But on the whole the the first eleven was strong at the start of the season. But I think the second string players sort of pulls a bit of an uh, a bit of a trick on the supporters, you know, probably us included as well. Was when we were playing lower league opposition, the Salfords and the the Fleetwoods, all the second string looked great. Like, you know, Delph looked good, Bernard looked good, Sigurdsson against Salford even looked half decent at times. It's just like now that they've come into Premier League games, everyone's expecting them to, you know, to to pull their weight and. They just reverted to type. They don't like Sigurdsson. I don't, you know, it's not all about him. Even good players like you know Allen and Decore and that were poor the other day. But Sigurdsson's still walking around the pitch every game, just pointing at people. It's like I, I love Carlo to death, but I don't know what he sees in Sigurdsson. What does he see in no. Sigurdsson? To be honest, I don't know what any manager's ever managed has ever seen in Gilfie Sigurdsson. Apart from scoring a few good free kicks, what does he ever even do anyway? Well, he's never scored a free kick for us since we signed him to be a free kick specialist. <laughs> Well, over three years ago now. Well, you need That's to not buy right. a lot. For a forty-five He's... million pound player in the first place, you need a lot more to your game than free kicks. Yeah, but he has scored. Scored a free kick. He scored. He was against Blackpool in the pre-season, pre- though. Oh, but he's God. technically scored one. Not scored a competitive oh, yeah. free kick, but we paid forty-five yeah, million. Yeah, he's a statistician. I'll have that one. I picked up one as well. How do you know it's not me? But um. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not me. <laughs> I'm like the, the bizarro components of him, like everything, you know, the opposite. But um, I, it's not just him. You can, you, you know, you, you don't want to excuse, you know, the players who you like who aren't, who didn't do it. Like players like, I really like Holgate. It was crap the other day in, no. against Man United. Keane was awful as well. Mm. Um, honestly, it's just one of those things. I think, you know, Players coming out the team when you've only gone eleven, and it's still quite new. Remember, you know, three of the key players have still only been in the club in the matter of you know weeks and months. It's not just the key players coming out of the team that you lose their quality. It has a ripple effect on the rest of the team. Like Hammers and Dean and players like that, they've all suffered without Richarlison, and it's obviously that that as a you know any time that Hammers is not having a good game. The whole team's gonna feel it, and Hammers can't have a good game without having that um, Richarlison, you know, Luca Dean combination to pass to on the opposite flank. So if Hammers isn't fit or he's having a bad game, the rest of the team really struggle. That's the way he set it up now. But because there's no quality underneath the first eleven or not in the right areas, we can't replace any of them. So if you look at our bench, like you know, people coming off off the bench to try and change games, they haven't changed the game one jot. No, any of them because they haven't got it in them. Uh, it it depends what you for me and and for me Anthony Gordon and I don't I, I don't want to start banging the drum for a lad who really hasn't done a great deal while he's played for Everton but if anything else if he was playing on that left hand side he he has a similar style of play to Richarlison so for, for me he would be night and day in the team because the fact that even his inclusion could lift others because of how Richarlison plays. He he probably might he could get away with playing like Bernardo or Awobi. 
but it's a different type of style because he'd be looking to run beyond the back four. So we wouldn't be looking so one-paced all the time because we'd have an extra runner. We've we've having Bernardo. I thought that's a decent game, but it, he was having a good decent game within himself rather than for the team. And a not isn't isn't that type of player. We, we just look so one-paced every time we move the ball forward because we just couldn't create any opportunities because we didn't stretch them at all. It was just Man United will never have an easier forty-five minutes in their lives that second half because we just moved the ball from one side to the other. It was like watching a Martinez team, to be honest. It was just so dull. It was unbelievable. But I suppose the options you've got. But for me, the biggest thing come from these last couple of games is that Andy Gordon, even though he might not be the answer in terms of quality, style of play-wise, he has to be at least the first sub. Well, he's got to be at the first sub over Chang Tosin. Wow. But anyway, Chang Tosin's a different issue. It's to... It's, to, it's more to do with how we play. I think it's restricting us, Richarlison, not playing more than any other player because there's no one else like him. Interesting, but can you imagine if there was fans in the stadium when he subbed Hammers off for Tosin? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It would, I can understand him taking Hammers off because he was he was off the pace. Like he played him play well, but Tosin. Uh, I'd rather hammers on with one leg than Cheng Tosin, so yeah. Tosin's just there as a warm body, really, isn't he? Someone who who um if Calvert Lewin takes a knock, he's gonna come on and sort of like so he can protect him. And on games where there's literally nothing else to do, throw him up there, you know, having an extra striker might make room for Calvert Lewin. I I used to to be clear, used to quite like Cheng Tosin. I didn't think he was a well beater by any means, but I thought he was better than the, you know, the reputation he had amongst the fan bases. But he's sort of like, he's not done a lot, has he, since he's come back? But I think he's he's got a role to play very short term. Like he he's come back from this injury, and the, and he come on against Newcastle. And he's come on against Man United. And he may as well not been there. He's come on, and you haven't heard his name again since he got came on as a substitute. No. But, I was just saying, we we could have played until now and with Cheng Tosin on the pitch and he wouldn't have had a shot. Because he, just, he just didn't get in the game. He just, I, I'm not going to blame him specifically, but the decision to loan Moise Keane out to keep Cheng Tosin and not have any other options up there just baffles me more and more by the each game goes. No, I, I think the idea was um, that we would have had someone else and it hasn't come off. And then they've looked at it and thought, well, let's let him go anyway, because until January, we've got Cheng Tosin, who's not great, but he'll he'll do for like two months, you know, between transfer windows. And frankly, he might not do, but I think that might have been the thinking. He's um he's a placeholder, isn't he? He's not gonna be that he's gonna go either in January or he's gonna when a new striker comes in, maybe, or he'll go in the summer. Um but that role in the squad is currently what he's holding. That sort of like back up to Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin's going to play as long as he's fit. So the bench striker is literally to come in if Calvert Lewin needs taken off or if we need to, you know, change tack up front. But he hasn't done anything. But you got you. I think it's harsh. He's he has just come back from you know a bad injury, so he, he's not going to come on and set the world. I wouldn't have set the world light fully fit. So I, I think it's a bit harsh to kick him. But everyone else, they haven't got that excuse. 
No, I'm not. I'm not it's, it isn't much blaming Chank. It's more to do with the process of only yeah, having Chank fucking behind yeah, that for me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the fact that we're ever in positions where we're desperate for players to return from long-term injuries because you can never expect players to recover quickly. Even, mm-hmm. dare I say, Andre Gomez, I mean, like, we were pinning our hopes on him when we, when he was out with a broken ankle for a couple of months and it, obviously he hasn't, he hasn't come back and well, he hasn't really done anything since he came back. But um, the, the, that's the kind of thing. And everyone's like, oh, Gabamon. Like they're gonna be like that with him, and like as soon as there's a player they haven't seen in the team for ages, they start worshiping them as soon as like you have a bad game. I I saw people even after the game on on Saturday saying how much we miss Andre Gomez and the team. Well, I watched them the week before, and as bad as Sigurdsson and all that were on on Saturday, he was by far the worst for the week before. That's so. one of the worst individual displays I've seen for Everton, probably the worst one comfortably this season. I think it could be the second worst I've seen since Alcaraz and Kiev. Oh, it's that bad. <laughs> Honestly, that 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 extra midfield spot, you know, like even when we were playing well, that was up for grabs. Um, because Sigurdsson's been poor there, Gomez has been poor there. I could see Tom Davis getting the game there soon if because the other two haven't done it. And uh, obviously, there's. You know, I, I don't think we'll ever rely on Delph. He's never he's never fit, is he? But uh, Gabamon, if he does come back and he can stay fit, he might um, he might be the ticket. I haven't even got a clue what he's like. You know, I can't even remember that game he played. But um, yeah, Gomez and have been, <laughs> Gomez and Sigurdsson have been fighting it out since the start of the season. But neither of them, even when we were playing well, I've I've really you know made a case for it. The issue I've really got with this midfield issue is that. People who I've seen all over social media think we're, we're crying out for some attacking midfielder to be in there. Whereas, do Liverpool play with an attacking midfielder? It, it, it come, our attacking midfielder is Hammers and he plays off the right. We need yeah. battlers in the midfield to win the ball back. We've got that with Decore and Allen higher up, but we need someone to sit in front of the back four and do it. He's a moment. Need a Gareth Barry type player, a proper number yeah, six. Like exactly. we're playing Allen there, playing Allen there, and I've said it all along. Allen and Decore don't want to sit. They want to get about the pitch. They want to run, run around tackling. It doesn't like we we don't need. We don't we 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 don't need a number ten to go in there. We've got as you say, Hammers. We need someone who will sit in front of that back four and let the other two go and you know cover the cover the areas in midfield. We're using Allen in a way I don't think suits him. No, I would agree. We need someone to dictate the play from in front of our back four as well as put out fires in front of our back four. And until we get that player, I, I wonder if Mason Holgate could do it in the short term. But again, you're taking a risk with that, aren't you? I would probably do that. I'd probably play Holgate, Allen and Decore, but I'd mean and Keane. I'd be comfortable with that. But then people are saying you're going too defensive. But Playing and play, we're not crying out for a number ten at all. No, the last thing we need is another number ten. Because strictly speaking, I think Alex Obi's a number ten as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So is Bernard. Really, Bernard's not a traditional winger. Yeah, I think if anyone we could use another winger. We someone like Ismail Asar for me. Someone, someone with direct pace. He's I mean, exactly what we need. I mean. I'm surprised we didn't throw a cheeky bit in for him before the 
championship deadline closed, but depends, depends whether you know, your class your class forty million is cheeky because I think we would have all day. It's just just not going to come cheap. He's going to be the Charleston money if we want him, or if anyone does, it's going to be the Charleston money, and we didn't yeah. have that at, at the time. No, I agree. Uh, he is he's destined for re- really good things, is my Lasar. But we ne- we do need someone of, of his ilk and some the lads with crap and Diaz or someone like that. He would have he'd have been about fifteen million, probably would have turned into a star level player in the year. Just someone with direct pace. I, I, that's why I think that our next signing should be because as much as we got Richarlison, we need more pace in, in for key areas and until yeah, we get them. Yeah, Hammers definitely doesn't bring that. No, but he doesn't have to because he's the creative spark. But we need someone. We've got we've got Richarlison, but we need other players in and around the team with mobility. And that when Richarlison doesn't play, we do look really, really slow. And until and that's why not I said Gordon because he's got a, a yard of pace. Not an not an Isco wouldn't fix though, is it? Oh my god, <laughs> we shouldn't be worth paying money for him. He's a good, very good player, but we if we're restricted to a few players in the next coming window, there'll be there'll be areas I'd buy over Ishko. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But of course, in the more short term, we move on to Fulham after the international break. Uh, it's one of them. How would you feel going into that? We'll obviously have a pretty much the whole squad available to us again after the break. If we don't beat them, I'll join the pitchforks. Because they are pretty dire, but like like I said, it, it, it should be a game where the mentality is clean sheets, and then we we'll, we will score goals past them. I think, but we need to keep a clean sheet. Yeah, I'm hoping that's maybe what Carlo will be doing over the international break is drilling this team into being a bit more defensively resolute. Exactly, uh, we're not going to do anything this season we don't keep clean sheets I know it sounds basic and pretty limited but we need to start putting clean sheets together on the spin if we're going to do anything because even if we're conceding we're conceding two goals of the game at the very least at the moment and there is absolutely no way to play yeah definitely not um, did, by the way did, did, you, did you see um, Jake Humphrey saying he got a text from Sam Allardyce saying he's not happy with the Premier League Cup the quality of the Premier League defending as if he's a master of defending it's just amazing isn't it yeah remember that time when Sam Allardyce made us concede five goals in a half weren't it yeah half time five one down I think yeah <laughs> we, were playing, we were playing five defenders and two old midfielders at the time as well I master mean, of yeah. Sam Allardyce there you can, say, you can say absolutely not and I don't care oh, yeah he, he, the Donald Trump of football, him. I don't no, even mind. Hopefully, hopefully uh, he follows Donald Trump on the uh, the road to no return. He's already on. And people don't want to take the chance of someone like Sam Allardyce. Even when oh, the Newcastle job came in, Steve Bruce is a lot more palatable than Sam Allardyce. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that anyway, guys. Uh, we'll finish on that bombshell. <laughs> to a little discussion segment where we are going to be looking into 
uh, a man who's become a lot more talked about in recent weeks in the absence of Richarlison due to suspension. And that player is, of course, Anthony Gordon, who made a cameo appearance off the bench against Southampton and has not been seen in the first team since. It's been a very interesting and there's been a lot of debate on Twitter, of course, about his presence or lack of it in the starting lineup, and we're just going to discuss where Anthony Gordon sort of stands among the first team set up here at Everton. I'm joined, of course, by Terry and Owen. Terry, I'll start with you on this. Uh, do you think Anthony Gordon's? Do you think Carlo's right to leave him out of these squads, or should we be seeing more of him? I honestly don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? Like on the face of it. It does seem bizarre that he hasn't got a minute of football, like or not many minutes. He came on, didn't he, briefly? Um, was it against Newcastle? Southampton. Southampton, sorry. He came on briefly there. Um, but I think it's more a comment on how poorly the other, you know, reserve wingers have come in and done within the absence of the Charles. And it wasn't like a one-off game. It was three games in a row that that we were missing one of our starting from three and all, you know, Iwobi got to go, Bernard got to go and even Sigurdsson slash Gomez got to go. So it did seem strange that like all of them didn't play well at all, apart from maybe Bernard a little bit in the last game, but he wasn't very good coming off the bench in the other games. And Gordon didn't really get much of a look in. And the reason it's strange is not because Gordon's this like earth shatteringly good player, but in the post-lockdown games, like that sort of 10-game run at the end of last season, Gordon, he didn't pull up trees, but he looked, as far as the eye test, I can't speak to the stats, but as far as the eye test went, he looked like the best midfielder we had at the time, because obviously at that time we were playing 4-4-2, Richarlison was up front, not considered a midfielder. So he was better than Awobi, he was certainly better than any of the centre midfielders, and he was doing better than Bernard. So to go from having stock that high, where you're one of the more effective, more impactful midfielders, attacking influencers especially, to suddenly not getting a sniff, it is strange. But I, I also think we may be doing that thing again, like we did with Tom Davis at the beginning, where everyone cries out for him to play. And the more he doesn't play, the better he gets in people's minds. I think it's less about the injustice on Anthony Gordon than it is... It's more about for me this sort of sort of comment and a and a cry against how badly Awobi and Bernard and Sigurdsson and Gomez have played in that time because no one would be calling for Gordon to be getting on the pitch if Richarlison was still playing and was playing well, or if Awobi had come in in that first game and played well for three games, no one would have said where's Gordon. It's just because the others haven't done it either. But of course the others haven't done it. So how come we haven't seen any of them since that Southampton cameo? I don't. I, I wonder whether it's a training thing. You know, like he might not be, he might not be doing the required amount in training. I don't want to suggest he's poor in training because obviously I don't know whether he's good or poor or, or indifferent. But it might be something less obvious, like than a match day thing. Because if it was just based on match days, I think anyone would say, well, he, he did look better than all the other wingers. But he might not be, you know. He might not be hitting the required targets, the required level, and the others might be, but then can't translate it onto the pitch because there is something definitely going on in training when it comes to Sigurdsson. He must be like Maradona in training to be playing all the time. So it might might be the same for some of the others. It will be in Bernard, might be unreal in training, so they get get it at the end of the, the week. But 
I don't get it. I, I think I, 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 I did get it after the first game. Like I thought Southampton, it will be being the first sub. So with Sigurdsson, well, the first and second subs were Wobie and Sigurdsson and our good run before that. I thought they'll start. And then when they played really badly against um, Southampton, I thought, right, well, they've, they've blown their chance now. I'd bring Gordon in because he seems, I'm sure I was going to touch on it. I don't, I think like for like style fit for the Charleston is a bit too far, but he seems to be the most comfortable fit. He's, um, he's more like Richarlison in terms of profile than the others are. Doesn't mean he's like him, but he's more like him than, than Bernard is and, and it will be is because he's more direct, a little bit quicker, and he'll try and run him behind. That's not a lot. Doesn't mean it's a like for like comparison player, but it, he's got more of that than the other two. You're damn sight closer. Yeah. The thing for me with, with Anthony Gordon is it isn't a, a like Terry said, it isn't as much about Anthony Gordon. It's the way we've been playing this season has mostly been Hammer switching the ball to Richarlison, to which then goes to Lucadine, to which then goes in the box. With having Awobi and Bernard on there, not, nothing against either of them as footballers, profile-wise and style, stylistically, they are, they are not what Richarlison gives Everton. Richarlison gives Everton a ball over the top. So we could have been defending what like we were on Saturday. But we could have got the ball and just hit a, a, a long ball for and Richarlison would have chased and now the got us up the pitch. Bernard's not going to really do that. Roby's not going to do that. But Andy Gordon, I, I probably went too far before saying he, he's like Richarlison. He's, he isn't like Richarlison, but he's the same type of winger as Richarlison, even more than what Roby and Bernard is. So we could have possibly played him in that position. He, he did work hard every time I've seen him play and he probably would have been there for the ball over the top. So for me, even though he he's not perfect, and I, I he he's played well sometimes. Sometimes I've watched him, and of course he's a bit raw. But I would still rather he was playing out there than some of the other players playing out there. Not to do anything with their individual sort of qualities, but more to do with the sort of profile of how we attack. And I I, I think that I, I like the Awobis and. Bernard's a decent footballer, but I think they're players who are more suited to coming inside, creating, than sort of running beyond the defence. And I, I think for as long as well, Richarlison is back. So I, I think this conversation about Gordon is pretty. Yeah, I don't think he will really won't, will he? But I, I, I do think going forward, if Richarlison isn't playing on that left hand side, I think that there has to be Anthony Gordon because of what. He gives us rather than anything else than it individual quality. I think a will be fairly good in the mid through as a number ten. I think Bernard is as well. I just don't think they're wingers, and I think that's why they look so poor every time they play. Is because they're playing for me in a position that not isn't necessarily suited to them. Yeah, I think for me, I think there's an interesting element to this. Well, I think. We are, I was saying in the Manchester United extra time video before where we had we have this problem I think as Everton fans where as soon as we have a couple of bad games and a few players play bad we cry out for under eighteen players to come in and supposedly turn everything around for us and it doesn't always work like that yeah we put a lot of pressure on Tom Davis a few years ago and it's it may well have hindered them a little bit is is, is Carlo possibly thinking about, about something like that maybe looking after Gordon. 
It's the same with Ellis Sims. The moment Ellis, Ellis Sims scored a tapper against Chelsea under 23s the other day, and now he should be our first player off the bench. Apparently, yeah. as for as much as for as much as I would like to see young players come through in the team, they're not all going to be ready to start games for Everton because it's just the way it is. I, I, I'm quite sceptical as how to, how David Underworth is managing that whole setup as it is. So going from what his setup to Everton's first team for me it is is pretty a pretty much a huge step up in terms of just quality and even just like sort of tactically I think David Unsworth is a bit of a I'll say he's a bad coach to be honest because if you're still playing Matthew Pennington and Callum Collinley or whoever he's still playing in the under twenty three he's not doing a good job at all there. Um, it's supposed well, to be a the, development squad, isn't it? It's a development squad, and the reason why the likes of Gordon and Sims probably aren't playing is because he's probably not developing them properly. <laughs> he, they're not they're not going to be ready because uh, Carlo Ancelotti isn't isn't a manager. I've saw people say he doesn't not like you playing young players because he could have easily played Delph left back the other week, but he started in Konku. You know, <laughs> he he will he would put the young players and he played or Gordon. I just think people have got this obsession of playing four young players in every week. It's just ridiculous it's about results, but I do agree with the Gordon one that he probably should be getting a, a better look in than what he's getting. But it is difficult because it's a huge step up and, and it always proved that he can play for Evans first team because he did well when he played, I thought. But it, it's still difficult and... Ultimately, we'll see going forward who's that first sub. But my issue isn't as much Gordon not playing. It's more to do with the the lack of options that we have going forward, apart from the main three, which is Hammers, Calvert-Lewin and um, Richarlison. If we take that away, we haven't really got many options. Yeah, I think. But there is, of course, this is this issue. Like we have, like, like our fans are desperate to see a young player come in as soon as a player play badly is that kind of pressure is quite sort of negative maybe weighs too much on the shoulders of a young player do they need protecting from that or I, I just think it's, it's yeah but yeah in a way yeah because they're coming into like oh we must play X but realistically are they going to be any better than what we've already got in there I mean the, we're talking about Alex Awobi he's a £40 million player Bernard's played for Brazil I'm I'm not saying that they're going to give us more than Andy Gordon because I've already said all the stars and because of the, the, the sort of profile. But come on, Awobi and Bernard should be better than Andy Gordon, really. At the stage of the want them to be better than Gordon. I think Carlo in training looks at her and thinks, I'm probably sure I should be getting more from Awobi starting or Bernard starting than Andy Gordon because of the stages of the creator. And he's playing percentages. I think that's clear. That's wow, I say anyway. But like I said, it's all it's just different viewpoints. And of course, the same goes for Ellis Sims, as we said before. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Why the hell is Chen Tosin coming on when Ellis Sims isn't?" I think that's a question a lot of fans on here will probably like to hear answered. Well, Ellis Sims has even has he been on the bench for a Premier League game for Everton? Yeah. Yeah, he was on the bench for the Newcastle game, I think, but obviously never got on. Tosin got sent on instead. Well, in that that's, case, that's what, that's, that's what riles the fans, I think, is that Tosin gets picked at Ellis Sims. 
right, I, I understand that, but even still, Chengto can cost everything twenty eight million pounds. So again, it, it it it's it's difficult, but I. I I I still think I would probably put Tosin on over Sims at the moment just because of the sort of you know, Chang Tosin scored Premier League goals that you don't know how well Ella Sims could be pretty off the pace. So it, it it's going with what you know, but we don't like it, but that's the way Premier League managers look at it. Yes, I think I think it's just one of them. I think it's a lot of frustration at the recent performance. It's a fan it's, it's a it's a fan base thing because Fan bases all over the country say we should be playing this young player from the from the bench or this that and the other. But Premier League managers are going to go with what they feel like is the the safer option, and that's fine. But the, the people are there to get results, so that's all. You can't. I know Carlo made the comment saying he's not having to develop players; he's there to keep them high, as high up in the league as possible. People talk that. I think I think you should be doing both, but that I'd rather Everton with top of the league with experienced players than happy around eighth, just developing players. But people see it differently. Yeah, definitely because you know you develop players and finish eighth, you end up selling them to teams who finish first. Mm. You become Southampton, don't you? So, but they're, they're doing well. But exactly, so I'd rather be in Southampton's position right now. Believe me. <laughs> Uh, at least, at least the reserves can come off the bench and do a job. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think that it is. It is a thing. I think particularly at Everton, we've seen a lot of clamour for pick the kids recently. But I think that just says a lot about how our current like first team squad. A lot of those have underperformed, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Continue yeah. to do so. It, yeah. It. It's to do with more of the quality of our backups more than anything. People will see Alex Awobi playing badly, or if it was formerly Theo Walcott, and think, well, X from the under 23s can't do any worse. But I suppose if you've been out there to do a specific job, it's a lot easier to convey that to Alex Awobi, who's played in the Champions League and Europa League finals, than it is Ellison. So we'll see. It's interesting, I think. If you like, you know, go back a couple of generations, and we used to be sending on like 18, 19 year olds to play in the Premier League quite regularly, like not just Everton and loads of teams, but nowadays it doesn't seem as common. We had a bigger, we didn't have a big, we have a bigger squad now than we did back then. Though, I still, if you still gave, I think you're going back to probably the Moyes here. If you gave him the squad we he had now, he would still play Bernard and Alex Awobi over Andy Gordon, I reckon. Yeah. Easily, that so that the whole like the fact that we blooded a lot of kids was that born of not having the he, resources. He's just let Jeremy and Gaki go to um, Wofford for free, promising young right back so we can keep Aaron Gresswell. Don't don't let's not act like he was, this was all out of choices because we had a small squad. Yeah, he used to fill his bench with kids, but he didn't he didn't rely on a lot of them, did they? Like he they'd get on the bench, oh, get on the bench, and then if they got off the bench. They might, uh, they might impress, but how many did he? How many did he start? Like, I remember loads of times we were crying out Didn't for. Didn't make a sub anyway. Never mind bringing on you. Yeah. 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 To, 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 quote, to quote, to quote an Owen classic from the last quiz here, Kieran Agard. Well, that's, yeah. there we go, Kieran Agard. He probably only played them that game. I was, I think that was the only game I've seen him play. Yeah, yeah. Let's not be pretending like we we've been an academy of youth for the until now. 
we've got a bigger squad now, but we had zero options then. We have some now. That's all there is. If you gave, if you had a penal back then, I don't know, we're saying this Kieran Agard lad, if we gave put underneath that Bernard and Alex Awell, if we Bernard and Alex Awell, we would definitely still have been playing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. The, the, if we ask the question, should Anthony Gordon be Richarlison's deputy, what would the answer be? I would understand both sides of it. I think, personally, I probably would say yes because I think the profile's the most similar, but I would also understand playing players who play cap for Brazil and Nigeria and played in the Europa League finals over them. So it, dep- it depends what the manager's looking for, but I, I haven't won three Champions League, so what do I know? Yes, probably I've got to trust Carlo on this one. Teddy, what about you, mate? What would you go with? Would you play Gordon? Honestly, I I can I just echo what you just said. Like I think Carlo was the right one to pick, isn't he? But of what I've seen, like, I haven't seen much of um, Gordon. Obviously, uh, in the last three games, but Bernard's the only one who's really made to go of it when he got a start. So at the minute, I think it's going to be Bernard. That's Bernard. Yeah. So like you say, I think we've just got to trust in Carlo, and hopefully he'll be able to turn this around, Gordon or no Gordon. So there you have it, guys. For you podcast listeners, of course, we are going to finish with the with a quiz. It's not the classic quiz though. This time it's a quiz with a twist. It's one of it's a different format. We're going to do a player appearance conundrum, which we've done a couple of times before. Uh, basically, I'm going to run through. We've got a total of 15 players. We can go up to 15. 15 different players. I'm going to give the lads a chance each time to name the number of appearances that these players made for Everton and the one with the closest wins the point. So we'll flip a coin anyway. So it's impossible for me to be out after the first go this time. For once, it is impossible for Owen to be out after the first go. That's incredible. I, I normally say Leighton Baines in a mouth. <laughs> you think that could be a safer bet than Leighton Baines and then he goes and gets you would think when, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he plays every game consecutively for ten years, but every time I say him he doesn't play, so whatever. <laughs> so we'll do we'll flip a coin as usual. I'll let I'll let Owen considering Owen lost the last quiz on the first goal, I'll give him a chance to let him pick heads or tails. I'll say tails because it's always heads, so surely logic dictates it's gonna be so tails. What is it gonna be? It's, you're saying tails? Yeah. And it is tails. Owen first or second base. Yeah, even even a blow, broken clock strikes twice. Um, <laughs> twice a day. Um, am I going first or second? I'm going second this time because I'm going to let him run. We know what Teddy's record is like when he goes second. That's why. <laughs> yeah, or my Teddy. record when I go first. So yeah, either way. So Teddy, you're up first, mate. And the first player you've got to guess the number of appearances for is Yeri Mina. How many appearances has Yeri Mina made for Everton so far? <laughs> Um, i say 50. 50. What about you, Owen? Uh, I would have gone in that ballpark. Um, I would go... 
47. Terry wins the first point. Yeti Mina has played 55 games for Everton. Second up. Terry, how many games has Andre Gomez played for Everton? If I can tell you how many good games he's played for Everton. Gonna go with. 46. 46. Oh, is this is this including his loan spell? Yes. Okay. Um, the is forever. Um, let's say. Okay. Mm-hmm. I may regret that actually. 41. Well, 41, Terry went with 46, and Terry wins the points again. Andre Gomez has played 54 games for Everton. And not two like, have been good games. I felt like... <laughs> I did feel when I said that I went to have low balls in there because Mina missed most of the first season. Gomez oh, yeah. missed a lot of last season, but he played more last season than, than, than Mina did in the first. So... Yeah, I thought he'd be similar to Mina, but I th- I, I, when I said I regretted it, I thought I'd lowballed him and I was going to get up there. Uh, he's going to end up. And if I would have gone higher, he'd have got me. Yeah, but I didn't think he'd play that much anyway. But yeah. I'll so tell you how many good games he's had for sure. That's 2 0 to Terry. And Terry, you're up first again, mate. How many games has Bernard played for Everton? Crikey. Um. So I'd say 55. 55 again. What about you, Owen? Well, he's, um, I'd have gone in that. T- I'd go 56. 56? <laughs> oh, the one difference again. The classic. But it has worked in your favour, Owen. Bernard's actually played 71 games for Everton. Okay, well, I can, t- I also, I can also tell you how many of them have been good. <laughs> he's um, one hand, are we? <laughs> he's um, he's not had the an injury like the other two have. The other two have missed a, bol- a good chunk of a season each. They all yeah. came at the same time, obviously, but he hasn't had like a bad injury, so makes sense. That that well, what I did was the equivalent of a long throw, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's got you back in the game anyway. Oh, and it's 2 1 to Terry now. Question number four, Terry. First player who's not a current member of the Everton squad. How many games did Andy Johnson play for Everton? I'm going to say 48. I can't remember. Eight. Owen? Um, I will go... Um, a straight 50. Straight 50. Another very close score there. And it's drawing your level, Owen. Andy Johnson actually played 74 games for Everton. Is he? Really? I thought he had a big injury, though, like the other two, but maybe I'm imagining... And I, I knew I was guessing wildly at that I just knew he didn't have season after season here but yeah obviously it went far too long yeah but um, 
you've got to try and get back in the league. Question number five, Terry, how many games did Thomas Hitzel's Burger play for Everton? <laughs> um, Thomas Hitzel's Burger. 20. 20. Owen? Five. Owen takes the point. Thomas Hitzel's Burger played nine games for Everton. Oof. Yeah, so Owen, Owen, Owen's come from 2-0 down to do 3-2 and Terry to level it up Shane Duffy how many games has he played for Everton? wasn't a lot um, God, I'm going to go with 20 again and Owen? I was going to go with that um, I'll go Shane, Shane Duffy um, 14. Owen wins the point again. Shane Duffy oh. played 10 times for Everton. Go away. At least five of them was a sub as to be a third centre-back. Pro- probably. That was, well, it was David Moyes here, so you're almost spot on there, I can imagine. Um, he, he started the five defenders now. He's, he's going to step ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's just <laughs> gets straight, straight down to business nowadays. And on the note of David Moyes' defenders, question number seven, Terry... You've got to get this one right to stay in the game. How many games did Johnny Heitinger play for Everton? Johnny, Johnny. 80. 80. Owen? Um, Johnny Heitinger. Um, he was there nine. I would go 95. 95 and Owen that has won you the quiz Johnny Heisinger actually played 140 times for Everton what a whopping 140 I can tell you how many good ones they were after that 140 as well (laughs) every player we've gone through so far I used to love Johnny Heisinger in that first season we had him he was my favourite player thought he was brilliant but he obviously fell off like quite a bit that's yeah, a, one good season, about five. 140. I'm I proper low ball. I've got bad memory. I, I seem to think they play a lot less than they do. You think because Jagielka? You probably wish yeah. they do. Yeah, it's because he was around in Jagielka and distance sort of era. So I thought I thought he'd, you know, he I knew he he played a lot. Obviously, I knew he got at least a full season as first choice. But then I thought yeah. after that. After that, he's going to be playing like five games as a midfielder, you know, ten as a sub, and then he'll do it again the next season. So I thought it'd be all right on eighty, but but don't forget, this was in the very defensive Moisey, the way he played him as a defensive mid in front of them a lot of the times. Yeah. Another thing, another thing as well, what we're forgetting is with these centre backs through this time of period, they often got five minutes off the bench anyway as a third centre back. So yeah, that is true. Yeah. So even with Shane Duffy. We're low balling him there, but he probably got a lot more appearances than he otherwise would have done because Moyes used to bring on the centre back five minutes ago, even if we all lose. <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. It turns out if you go second on the quiz, you win at this rate. So Owen came from 2 0 down to win that quiz 5 2. And Owen, you Ted get to pick the song. <laughs> and Owen, you get to pick the song which she uses out at the end of the podcast. What are you going to go with, mate? Well, this is this is this is incredible. I don't even know. Um, Uncharted territory for Owen <laughs> against Terry. Passion, isn't it? 
I will go um, Rattlesnakes by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Very, very interesting and a really good idea. Not not a bad one at all. While you research on what it is. Well, yeah, we need to like sort of tell, we need to tell us a bit more about this song, man, because I've never even. Yeah, heard. makes it legal for us. Makes it um, okay for us to play. Well, it makes it legal, but also makes beats a bit more aware of what this song is, because I've never heard of that. It's a fairly decent song. Um, I don't, I don't really know too much about it myself, other than the song on Spotify and I like the sound of it. So that, that's wow. it. Well, there you go. That, make, that makes it legal. It's on Spotify and yeah, it, I mean, it's a bit, it, bit there's just a bit, there's your explanation. It is. Uh, how do you like that? So Owen wins the quiz, and well, I think for the first time in uh, probably, probably since the last time Andre Gomez had a good game. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Owen picks the song. We finish with Rattlesnake by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. And until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in on the Blues. And we'll see you later. A girl needs a gun these days Hey, I'm a cannibal rattlesnake